0: so here you are too foreign for home too foreign for here and never enough for both from yoa this is two takes on a part Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Takes and a Pod, my name is Folaren and this episode is the first in a series we're running through this second collection. The poem you heard at the start is by writer and poet Ijoma Imirbinio, and this entire series is inspired by that poem. As serial immigrants, first to Asia and now here in Canada, we definitely have some thoughts about adaptation and feeling at home in a country that isn't yours. Uh, On our Two Foreign series, we explore questions around identity, what it's like to suddenly find out that you're black, and so much more. But first, we have Fahad. Fahad is a leadership motivational youth speaker. I promise that is his real job. And we have a little bit of history together. I sat down with him to speak about his life on both sides of the cultural equation and how he used that to become who he is today. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so your name is Fahad, obviously we know that. Yes. Obviously, we know that. Actually, let's try that again. Yes. Uh, tell me, as non-startuppy, non—I'm the guy who <laughs> has a small business, non-youth speaker, non-former Kusa president. Wait, who fought his? Who Fahad
1: is? Wow, I fucked that up that's, twice. No, no. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. You, you, when you strip away all the titles, right? Who, who is, uh, who is Fahad? I'm a. Uh, I'm a, uh, I'm a son of two amazing parents, I'm a sibling of two amazing brothers and three amazing sisters. Uh, I'm a big family person I've got some beautiful nieces and nephews so i'm an uncle mm. uh to to them so uh, I think that uh, you know sheds it a little bit about me i'm uh, a a uh, born in born in Kuwait and uh raised in Canada kind of this uh mix of the two uh cultures um, and uh you know i'm i'm at the end i I, I used to always describe myself. As a as a camp counselor, I know that's a title, but I think that's the only way to, to describe my personality and kind of like I'm just a, a genuinely an enth- have an enthusiasm for life and an excitement for what we have as possibilities in life. And I love people and I get along with people really well. I relationships, I like to do fun things. So I'm kind of this fun, adventurous family guy. I think it's kind of it's kind of my you know as as we're taking everything else and trying to strip everything else away. Um that's that's kinda how I, I guess I see myself. Okay, I like yeah. that. Uh, yeah. um, that definitely feels like
0: the this is the pitch meeting to get you to run for Ottawa Community <laughs>
1: Center. <laughs>
0: Ottawa Center. Um Liberal seat. Yeah, let's go with the family fun guys Yeah, yeah. Family
1: I like to guys. do fun things. I like to do fun things with my. Uh,
0: I like. I, mean, I I really appreciated that you started with family. Um, and you you said uncle, and it threw me back to three four years ago when I would call you khali all the time. <laughs> uncle. Uncle so Bob. Um, yeah. You 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 are because I used to dress like an uncle. You still do. I still um, do. I- <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure. I've
1: been working on the on the swag. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, so mad. When it's you, hard though. When you transition
0: into like the phase in your life where you have to be presentable to people, and you're trying to actively and then you, you gotta switch back
1: and forth. I actually have outfits for when I speak. Like I have mm-hmm. particular outfits. If I'm speaking to an urban city um, like school, I put my Raptors jacket on. I got my jeans. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm all. Ba- if I'm a little more rural, I got this suede brown jacket with my striped shirt. You know, yeah. it's still young, but it's like less. Raptors. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's <laughs> less hood. No, you, my, you, got, you know, you're just knowing you know your audience. I'm trying to know my audience. And then if I got the my corporate audience, I got the blazer and the thresher. Mm-hmm. Right? So I have specific outfits for my audience. You know, so, so I'm learning to dress from that perspective. So. That's good. That's
0: good. No, 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 I like, I like that It's growth. It's growth. Um, okay, so you're q Ku- born. Yes. To. Iraqi parents. Yes, um, and you left Kuwait when you were young. Yes, four, five, six. Okay, is one of those
1: uh, I was six, six, six years, six, old. Six years yeah. old. yeah, yeah, yeah
0: which yeah. like it's enough for you to to remember that time. Yes. right. Yeah, um, and then yeah. you guys moved to Canada. Yes, moved to Ottawa. Yes, uh,
1: Montreal for a year. Montreal for a year when we settled, and then and then to uh, and then to yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. yeah. How is all of that?
0: It helped shape you. I know that's a really yeah. big question. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, we had talked about before mm-hmm. some more specific things, so feel free to go into that. But, yeah. Um, tell me, tell me, tell me about that. has that helped you shape you?
1: You know, that's interesting. Um, it's interesting as we reflect on it and actually, uh, it's October 27th. Uh, our, uh, our picture on the day that we took the plane to come from Kuwait, uh, to Frankfurt then, then Canada um, it was October 28th 1998 okay. uh, so 21 years as of tomorrow um, and uh, it, you know I remember two very vivid moments in in that in that specific incident and one of those moments where we were leaving the gate we were entering the gate we were passing security we were going to our plane and our cousins, my aunt, um, my aunt, Muna, who's my, my mother's sister was there with us. This was the probably the cousins that we were closest with. Um, and as an entire family, we were all bawling, crying. It was this sense of knowing that, like, this was forever, mm-hmm. this like we're leaving, um, you guys are staying and I was young, but I remember being extremely upset because these were our best friends, these were our cousins, this is what we spend most time with. And I remember seeing my parents cry. And as a young kid, seeing your parents cry, you know, one of the first times as adults and seeing adults cry together, hugging each other, you knew that this was a pivotal moment. And, you know, as we reflect, I, I call it one of those inflection points of life, a point where, where things just shift differently forever. Um, and that inflection point, you know, very very clearly happened there. The other, the other moment, um, I remember is when we, when we landed, uh, we come from the desert and it was cold. (laughs) It was, it was was real cold. Uh, it was real cold. We we landed in New I was like, what is this weather? Um, it was, it was freezing cold. And actually I said, October 28th, we, we, we landed, we came, we spent the first two days in the house trying to figure things out and just get acclimatized to everything. And then on October 31st, um, my uncle took us out around the neighborhood to go and, and look around. Um, and, uh, we're walking around, and all we see is uh, a little ghosts and goblins knocking on people's doors. <laughs> <I believe>. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea. Yeah, I, mean. yeah. I remember my mom and dad looked at each other and looked at us. and like, what is this devil worship? <laughs> <You know? laughs> we didn't know what Halloween was. We had no idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Um, but it, it, it was a pivotal moment because it was a true clash of civilizations. And I think that um, more so, maybe more so perhaps in, you know, that previous generation than maybe a generation uh, of of new immigrants that will come today, because you didn't have the internet, you didn't have TV in the same way, you didn't watch American TV, you knew your culture, Mm. and then you entered a new culture you didn't have little English words that you had like I go back to Kuwait now to visit family and they have a few English words they know you know Mm -hmm. a few sentences they could put together there was zero um it was such a shift uh and and that that I think was um what really created you know a sense of Resiliencies where you know i 've come to conclude it is that entire adventure of coming and moving and that shift uh, created this sense of you got to figure it out. Mm. You kind of had no choice. And, and it's that same attitude that we now use in, in my business, in my life, but that you got to figure it out. We're here. This is what we have. These are our cards. Uh, this is what we're dealt with. So uh, I think it really built a sense of resiliency and it built, built a sense of community. Like my, my siblings and I uh, have become so close and I used to never understand when, when, when other people would comment that, oh, you guys are so close mm. as a family. Like, well yeah aren't all families like this yeah. isn't this the standard um, and at first I thought oh maybe it's just a culture thing like Canadian families are different Arab families. Like, well no even other Arab families like you know some of them really struggle but we we were really close and we accredit that to the fact that you know it's a big family we're six kids and two parents two million parents so eight of us mm. and when we moved to Ottawa we moved into a three bedroom house mm. so <laughs> proximity proximity <laughs> right my three sisters shared the master bedroom mm. like they lined up the beds right next like next to each other There was space just enough space in between one massive closet um and in the summertime we would all go sleep in my sister's master bedroom because they were the only room with an air conditioner wow. <laughs> so we would literally have the entire family in the room my my, my parents had the other two rooms and then me and my little brother had uh, had another me and my little brother had a room uh, but that left my older brother mm. uh, with no room there was just not enough space uh so my dad uh You know, renovated uh, the boiler room. To make it into a room. Wow. Uh, he did what any smart Arab dad would do. He went to uh, Walmart <laughs> and he put, uh, bought a curtain and he placed the curtain around the boiler and said, mm. see, it's not a boiler room anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what any <laughs> smart
2: would okay. He laid
1: yeah. some carpet down. He put some artwork up and he said, see, it Listen, looks nice. You know, Perspective. My perspective. <laughs> I think the smartest thing he did was he put the TV and like, I think the PS1 or whatever we had at the time. In uh, the boiler room, so you guys. Uh, would so we all we'd have to go there. So we'd all hang out there, yeah. um, and we also later learned that um, you know those central vacuum holes you have in, in, in the walls of your houses. Um, if you don't actually have a vacuum unit, we didn't have a vacuum unit, but you went next to it and you yelled inside of it, you'd have an internal PA system for the whole house. <laughs> so. so siblings became so close, mm. and and that sense of community. Because we understood each other and it was us against the world. Mm. It was us against this new place, this society Mm. that we didn't understand and didn't know. Mm. um, And how were we going to navigate it? Mm. Uh, But we had each other's backs. Mm. And I think that has shaped us. That has created that resiliency, but it also created that sense of, like, we're responsible for each other.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: So how does that
0: that sense of... Community with your family members and more specifically with your siblings tie into what you had described to me earlier as an in between. Mm-hmm. Your your parents and this new society, right? Because yeah. you and your siblings would have formed this bond, yes. Um, like okay, we have to take on this new country that we're in. We yeah. have to, you know, be there for each other. But then also there are your parents who are not as young, obviously, mm-hmm. um, not as adaptable to this new society. Yeah, um, aren't able to learn the language as quickly as you are. Definitely, um, all of these things. But you guys are, and yeah. now you have to support and help your parents mm-hmm. adapt to this society. So tell me a bit about yeah.
1: that. Yeah. I, I mean I think that that really is the term the in-betweens we were we were the people as the siblings as the as the the kids we were in between our parents and Canadian society Mm -hmm. um and I mean it for everything uh you know as early as in 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 grade three when I would have a field trip form I would take it to my mom and say we're going on a field trip and what's a field trip <laughs> going to a museum is mm-hmm. this museum this is what we're doing and she would say okay you fill out the form I'll sign it
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's a it's a as a kid it's a really interesting kind of uh, perspective because you start to realize okay I'm I'm providing all the necessary information for my parents for me to have an education you know, I think, you know, working a bit of the education sector now, that's how engaged parents are in their in their kids' education. It's not that our parents weren't. It's just that they didn't know how. Mm. And their, their only way of engagement was with what we brought back to them. And we were these translators. They would come in for parent-teacher interview, and I'd be sitting down with my mom, and the teacher would talk to me, and then I would turn and talk to my mom and tell her, what the teacher said, mm. and it was just the reality of a language barrier um, that that just you know, they they didn't have the language. They came in their forties. It's not something that they were able to develop quickly. Um so
0: you're a translator in in two ways. In in a literal way where (laughs) you have to translate the language um to to your parent in grade what? Four or five grade three, four five, Um, yeah. And also from a societal perspective, like, wow, we I need to go on a field trip. Yes. This is what a field trip is. Yes. This is your role as the parent here. Um please fulfill your role yes. yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. you're also translating the, the activity of your life
1: translating you know what society expects of parents and here. children here mm. right um, in grade three I was fasting like I I, I started fasting a bit younger than, than other you know uh, other Muslim children but I you know to me it was important my siblings were doing it I wanted to do it um, my older brother you know was fasting so I was like I want to do what he does mm. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um And the and the teachers would question my parents as to whether that was healthy and something a kid should be doing, and so you had this other clash happening of like, wait, why is your child doing this? This is not healthy. This is not a good thing, right? Is this this what we need? You know, how are they performing in class if they're they're doing this? There's this. There was this. You know, sometimes you were also the in between for your teachers and your parents to explain to your teachers that, your parents yeah. actions right yeah. and like that that it's you know, not that they're negligent this is a religious this, thing yeah, and, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah 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 and you were and you were this constant you were this constant translator you were this constant um and and you know uh, situations where you know my mom would tell me to go speak to my younger brother's teacher for her. Hmm. And here I am, a grade seven student going to speak to, you know, the grade three teacher about my brother in grade three and telling her what my parents expect from, you know, hmm. it, it, it creates a really interesting um, dynamic. dynamic. Which, yeah. So how, how, how does that extra responsibility?
0: Let's frame it that way. Yeah. Change the, ongoing dynamic between you and your mom because yeah. you know after the third time of your mom saying hey go speak um to ali's ali's teacher yeah um you step start to feel that this is my place yeah yeah so i'm the person who speaks to ali's teacher I, yes, yes <laughs> yeah so yeah, you begin yeah. to and knowing you i can imagine oh. grade seven grade eight year old you <laughs> taking you know, being
1: very uh, enthusiastic about <laughs> this role yeah, i think, you know uh, like, you know, a lot of times people will, will say, Oh, fine, you're a bit of an old soul. i say, I have to grow up fast. Mm-hmm. And you grow up fast when you're given responsibilities. You're given these roles, and you're like, Okay, yeah, that's me. Like, I've got to stand up from my little brother to his teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, I've, I've got to negotiate with the teacher to make sure he gets his education. I taught my little brother how to read and write, They're not my parents.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And when my mom would teach how to read and write, I would tell her that she's pronouncing the word wrong so she, so he pronounces it wrong so you, you can't you can't keep teaching him to read because you're pronouncing it wrong mm. you're, you're teaching you know my, my younger, in English, it, not your in, English in English right, Am I, right? And, and we're talking English so like I would teach him to read and write in English because my younger brother was, was fairly young when we came to Canada and so I had this like parental responsibility mm-hmm. um, that I felt over my younger brother but then when I speak to my older brother that he also felt because he would come in to parent-teacher interviews with my mom and dad for, on, for, for us mm. and, and and translate and speak and and negotiate and talk about how they're doing and not
0: interesting so like you're your elder siblings have played this role that yes. you've played for your younger siblings. Yes. Have you, I mean, you still haven't told me about how it affected your dynamic with your parents, which mm, I want, yes. you, to, I want yeah. you to speak on. Yeah. But I guess after that, tell me about how. You and your siblings have discussed this role that you have to play, yes. right? Because yeah. at some point, your brother leaves the house, and then he's got to say to you, "Hey, this is what I've been doing. Yeah. Now you got to pick up no, that you, slack, <laughs> right?" Yeah. So,
1: yeah, 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 well, you know, so, so, I think what let's get to the parents part here. I think it's it's done two things, and actually, a friend reflected on this for me recently, which I I, I really appreciated. Um, when you are um, when you when your parents depend on you you become an, a dependent factor you have leverage mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know I don't mean that in, in, a, in, a, in a negative way like I have revenue it is power dynamics okay, and not power dynamics in a negative way a negative tone that I think a lot of people will initially perceive when, when someone says power dynamics but it is power dynamics because the child is supposed to be the child who is told what to do by the adults but you, you come to this country and then you realize holy shit, my parents don't know what's going on.
0: Mm.
1: And then my teachers have an opinion, which my parents think are completely wrong. And as a kid, you get this aha moment of, holy shit, adults don't know what they're doing. My parents don't really know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And my parents think all the things the teacher is doing is wrong. So we've got two perspectives and you're in, in between these two perspectives of two societies clashing right in your own household. You're having a clash of civilizations where you come to realize that truth is subjective. Entirely. And you realize that at such a young age, because at a young age, you know, you, you think truth is objective. Yeah. There's right and wrong. It's very clear. There's no gray. There's, there, you know, like you start to realize, well, but my parents thought and, and their religion and this and that, this is the right way. Mm-hmm. As so you start to, you really start to clash and you start to see that perspective and this perspective. And you start to, the first time you start to realize that, oh, no, no, my parents are wrong about this. This, this opinion that they have right here is actually incorrect. Yeah. I, 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 the, the, um, that authority figure of your parents starts to deteriorate. You start to realize, when it comes to this society, I know things you don't. I get things you don't get. Why should I listen to your opinion on something that you don't know about? Mm. And it starts to create this dynamic and and I was a bit of a rebellious kid nonetheless, just but I think bit. you know <laughs> quite, a a <laughs> okay. quite a bit quite uh, a bit you know and 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 I think you know the the natural rebelliousness in me you know partnered with this realization as a young as a young kid that my parents don't know what's going on, I'm responsible for my younger brother. My teachers don't understand my culture and they have a subjective truth. And my parents tell me my teachers don't always know what's going on. So I'm going to figure this out for myself. Mm. I know my own truth. Or you're going to figure out what works for your objectives. Or what works for what I need. Based on the scenario that you're on the in. Based scenario. Yeah. And so you become this very adaptive person. You know, and Abel and I reflect on this a lot. and We say, I think our number one skill... Is that we're adaptive. Yeah. We're little chameleons. Wherever we need to be, we become. Because we, we've we learned that when you're at home and you have this, this, this cultural perspective that you need to have on, you have it. When you're with your family, friends, you have it. When you're with your your, your adults, you know. And now my relationship, it, it, you know, I think today, I see it from, from there to today. You know, a lot of people will say, but how do you have the confidence and an and ability to work with people a lot older than you and, and teach them certain things that arguably they're older and they should know. And I say it, it stems from a young age where I realized that if you know something that adults don't know or our older people don't know, they don't know it, period. Mm-hmm. You know it and you understand it, and it's still your perspective, it's a unique perspective. It gave me the confidence, I think. To become the person I am today, give me the confidence to stand up to teachers, tell them I think they're wrong, Mm. stand up to my parents and say, I don't think this opinion is right or that opinion is right, and actually shape and mold, I think, my life take control more of it because I realized that there was no one giving giving me a path. There was no specific narrative that I would buy into based on the fact that both sides of the equation had subjective realities that weren't my reality. And I was caught in between of two subjective realities.
2: Hey guys, on this collection, we're trying something a little different. Okay, we're gonna be asking interesting questions and we are hoping for interesting answers. All you have to do is record a voice note and send it to our email. That's it. So here's the first question. Do you think it's possible to love two partners at once? Shouldn't be that hard, right? Well, that's it, man. Uh, Send us an email. Uh, with a voice note, you can send it to two takes and a pod at gmail.com. That's two takes, T W O takes and a pod at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
0: Do you think that when you say no one was giving you a path, I think
1: I, I want to connect this to your siblings, right? Because so this is where we we united. This is where we united because cause it became a, an across the room of I get you. Mm. I got you. I'll defend you for mom. Go make that decision. Because I see why you're making I, that decision. Yeah, I get you. I get the cultural context. I, get, I know that they don't. And I, and I know the difference. I see mm. the two. So we became this little unit of like, okay, we get each other because we're all going through this. So we're going to protect each other mm. and we're going to protect each other sometimes from our parents. Right. And, and like a perfect example is, you know, my, my, my sister said I wanted to go and uh, work for Emirate airlines. Uh, she finished university and she'd done really well, but she really wanted to travel the world and get paid to do it. Mm. i working for Emirate airlines. Now, culturally, um, my father was extremely against it. You know, what, a woman traveling to another country on her own. Mm. Like you're my daughter. I'm afraid for you. Like, no, like another city. Sure. Here in mm. Canada, you want to work in Toronto. Like, okay. Yeah. There's reasonable limits, but you're going halfway across the world. I can't even check up on you. Um, and, 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 uh, you know, he was concerned for that. And that's where, you know, I step in. That's where I say, okay, well, let's have a conversation about it because she wants to go, and I believe she should go because I think this is good for her, and she wants to do it, and here are all the reasons. And so, as siblings, we would be the ones negotiating on behalf of each other mm. because we understood each other's perspectives a lot better. And that is, I think, that created that relationship. But even then, what's interesting is that you go through um, my my the, the 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 age differences of our siblings, and. The how Canadian you are very much goes through a gradient, the, the gradient yeah. to, from yeah. oldest to youngest, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, uh, and and some that rejected certain values mm-hmm. and some that, that that held on to them. And as I was reflecting with a with a friend just a couple of days ago, you know, I think I I, I enjoy traditions. Um, for many reasons, but I've always had a distaste for traditions. I've always thought they're bullshit. Uh, they're 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 meaningless. They're whatever. They're they're fake and authentic, right? That we just do them for the sake of doing them.
0: This is how we've always done it.
1: Yeah, you know. And so I've always had a distaste for it. And I think my my friend reflected to me and said, I think you have a distaste for it because you've seen traditions on both sides. And then you've that ne- you don't agree. Neither one actually makes sense, right? But if you only have one set of traditions where you've seen just the, your Arabic you know, culture traditions. Mm-hmm. You're like, well, this is what I've always known. This is what we do. We keep doing it. Have you always had your Canadian ones? You always, but because I sat in the middle of the two, mm-hmm. I, I kind of had this opinion of like, well, you both have traditions that are both meaningless, right? And it was kind of like, you know, and, and so I feel like we've almost created our own traditions. We celebrate our own little Canada Day mm-hmm. based on the day we arrived to Canada.
0: Oh, that's, right, you know, like you know, like it's yeah. it's
1: our own little get it. We, we we do our own um, type of Thanksgiving to get the get the family together, mm-hmm. right? It becomes um, a hybrid of both. You know, a hybrid, hi- you yeah, we kind of build yeah. our own traditions, right? My older brother married a French Canadian woman, so they celebrate a bit of Christmas. But the rest of us don't, but we've always had Christmas off, mm. so we still get together and we have we dinners and, and, we, and we still do yeah. some family things, right? So so we've we've started creating our own you know traditions and mm. our own cult subculture based on our, our our realities of being these in-between children that mm. were kind of, you know, pulled from one culture to, to another. another. And, cl- and that real clash of civilizations yeah. was, was very real for us at a young age. You know? Cool. Um, I want to talk about your parents a bit. Because mm. I feel... Uh, Poor, poor. I, I feel bad for them. I, no, I know, I, no, they, they had pro- to put up with me.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, to put up with, they must be proud to have you um, as a as a son, if not annoyed. <laughs> but we've kind of talked about their willingness to engage in Canadian society mm-hmm. as kind of static,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I wonder if that's true. Did they get better or more willing or more? Um, more willing to engage and to learn and to be like, oh no, Fahad, you're being a bit of a smartass right now. I get the cultural context, I still disagree with it. No, you are not going to the strip club. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, did you get that kind of growth from Dad and Mom saying like, no, actually, you're being too too much of this right now, sitting here. So yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think definitely, definitely. So I think, you know, very they very you know we've reflected on this very much not static. They very much have actually adapted many canadian values and and i know this because i know that every time they go back to kuwait to visit they come back happy coming to canada (laughs) (laughs)
2: thank
0: god
1: i like canadians a lot more you know um and 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 i know that they've they've kind of shifted their perspective and they like that we you know have the values here in canada and and i i know it in a few ways um you know uh we we've seen we've seen their their growth in their openness to to other cultures mm. you know, i i think i think the you know i think that's something that's not talked about is 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 how um uh how racist or ignorant our own parents are to other cultures. Like we lived in we grew up in a secular society, so open to everyone's different perspectives and religions and so on and so forth, but they didn't. They grew up in a very monotheic Religion and culture, mm. uh, and if you were outside of that, you were you were wrong, um, and that has adapted immensely for them, which I think has been a really uh, pleasurable thing to see and participate in, mm. um, and it's continuously growing. You know, I, I and it
0: helps when two of your sons marry outside of the culture, yes, right? right? Um, yeah, When exactly. you, then you're forced to, to
1: to say, "Well, what's yeah?" yeah. I've got it. I've got to see it, and and you know what? And they they'll ask straight up questions that. You, you, you double take. You're like, did you like, did you just ask that? Mm-hmm. You just give, me, give me an that. example. Yeah. Like, like what? Uh, I, you know, at a young age, at a young age, um, you know, my father never had friends who weren't Arab. Like, were Arab friends. And so, at a young age in high school, he asked me. He says, "Do you have black friends?" And I said, "Yeah, I have black friends." He's like, "How are they?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, "What do you mean, how are they?" He's like, "Well, like, do you guys get along?" Like, are they good? I'm like, "They're Canadian." It's like, okay. I'm like, I'm Canadian. They're Canadian. It's the same Canadian value, Mm -hmm. just like the, the white Canadian. And in Arabic, the word ajanib is like, the foreigner, but Ajanab means the adjacent. It's a direct kind of translation, like the, you know, so how are the Ajanab He would say, you know, what, what are, how are the others, the othering, right? Mm. It's very much there's us and then there's the others. How are the others? And, you know, I think we intentionally would uh, begin at a young age, starting call, identifying ourselves as Canadians. Mm. They I, yeah, I go back to it, but my mom, I'm Canadian. I believe in Canadian values. My friends are Canadian. I don't care what color, shape, or form they are; they're Canadian. Then you know it would shift from the, their color and their race to you have female friends.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, again, yeah. they grew up. My father didn't. You interacted with only males or only females. Workforce was only males or mm-hmm. only females, right? Um, I said, yeah. You have you at the age of 50, at the age of thirteen. I just finished camp, 13 or 14, I just finished camp, my dad was picking me up from camp, and they hugged the female counselor mm. um, there with us, uh, wow. and she was a counselor, and my dad said, you know, in our, in understanding Canada, that they hug, in our culture, we don't hug females that aren't uh, blood, or or married to. Um, he, says, he said, you know, you can shake their hand, which is still arguably in our culture something we don't do, but it's okay you can shake their hand. And that's where I saw the compromise. Like, okay, he's he he's trying to come to us and say, Listen, shake their hand. Mm-hmm. Work with them. I'm not saying no. Mm-hmm, but by you're yeah. hugging them, right? And and you know, even that has over the years said, you know, okay, what's your intentions? What are you mm-hmm. right? So I I think I think what it's you forced have seen them, that growth. Yeah, yeah. I think what it's forced them to do is think less of the dogma of their religion and their culture of the like the specifics like do this don't do that and to the why do we do this and mm-hmm. don't do that and i think if we start to ask well, why mm-hmm. you know do we separate male and female in certain cases why did the religion say this and why that um my father i feel came a lot further than my mother um i think my mother has a bit of a different story and i think the story that my mother has is is very familiar to other people with with uh, who have immigrant parents they fear so much losing what they had they hold on to it tighter My mother got more religious Mm -hmm. over time because of fear of seeing how we started to blend the religion with the culture here, which is interesting because because the religion is so blended with the culture there and and, and there and so much so that that like. The foundation of the religion of the Prophet Muhammad, uh, Islamic religion, was actually blended with the Quraysh culture at the time that was a pagan culture. Yeah. The fact that we go around Mecca eight times was already a practice by the pagans. Mm. It became an adopted practice, right? are certain yeah. practices that were adopted, which means the religion blended with the culture. Okay. Religion blends with culture. That, that's just that's how happens. That's how it is. Yeah. So we were blending this religion with this it's Canadian culture, which has more clashes, arguably, than than maybe, and that scared her. Mm. And so I think she pulled more towards the, the religion. And I have found that actually going back to Kuwait, that she is actually a little even more, you know, more religious than mm. family in, 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 in back there. In, in back yeah. there because she's had to hold on to it deeper, you know, mm-hmm. more closely. Um, cool. Um, okay. Do you feel
0: a sense of duty? Mm-hmm. Um actually you know I I'm fairly confident you do feel a sense of duty. Let yeah. me let me break that down a bit. How far does that duty go? Yeah, to your parents. Mm-hmm. Um when it comes to being this in between because yeah. When you're young, the stakes are low. When you're in grade seven, the stakes are low. Go yeah. talk to your, your kid's, your brother's teacher. Yes. Yeah, That's yeah, a yeah. Low stake, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, You know, at your age right now, you're building a business. Yeah. Um, you're searching for, car- like, not searching for a career. You have a career. But you're you're searching for what your the true purpose of your mm-hmm. life is mm-hmm. outside of the constraints of your family. Yeah. Um, so as you continue to play this role of the in-between, of the translator, yeah. how much duty do you... St- feel or do you mm-hmm. anticipate you will continue to feel towards your parents mm-hmm. um and keeping them in the loop and protecting yeah. them now because yeah. before you were protecting yourself and your siblings from yes your parents. now you're you're going to have to protect them as they get older yes um and as they begin to transition to a phase in their life where they're going to be dependent on you yeah so yeah. tell me about that duty
1: yeah you, you know it's it, that's very interesting because because I, I like I like that shift that you made when at first it was it was protecting the self between the two clashes of civilizations that you were facing and the siblings kind of became part of that core. And even in your teenage years, you became you I started to protect our parents. And one of the fondest memories I have, and kind of a, a, a sad memory, unfortunately, kind of go there too, and they go hand in hand. But, you know, my father worked for cash under the table at a butcher. He was getting paid below minimum wage. The concept of minimum wage is not something he understood. Mm. The concept of minimum wage, we understood because we learned about it in school. Yeah. And when we learned that he was getting paid under minimum wage, we got upset for him. And I remember me and my brother speaking to him as I understand it's cash, but you're getting paid. You know, I think minimum wage was like eight fifty, and he was getting paid like $5 an hour. So you're getting paid $5 an hour. Like, why this, that? And it was for some other Arab friends who gave him a job. And he's like, well, it's what I can do, you know. And he had this acceptance of of what it was because he he felt that he didn't have anything else. And so that was our our first kind of uh, moment of like, wait a second. Someone's going to take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. You know, we played the system of translating and telling you what you needed to know and didn't need to know so we could protect ourselves. Mm. But someone else can take advantage of you because you are vulnerable Mm. to the realities of the society. Because, again, socialization, what we do with kids throughout entire school, like from from grade one to grade 12, like the success of a child is based on how well they can incorporate themselves into society. Mm. Their socialization. Right. Socialization is an educational process. That's really what we're doing at schools. We're socializing people to follow the rules, the cultural rules that aren't written down, but know how to play. And my parents don't have those that socialization of this. So that was one at that same job. A butcher. My father cut off the tip of his finger and the manager told him, wrap it up and go home. Because they don't want to pay for any damages or injuries or anything that could, they don't want to get sued. There's no insurance. He's an under. Hey. And he came home and his hand was bloody, and me and my brother saw it. And we were like, Where is what, what is this from? And he said, it happened at work. And we rushed him to the hospital and it got sewed back on and it was completely fine because it was held on and, you know, uh, you know, a few weeks of recovery and all that. But in that moment, he was taken advantage of again. Because of his, his his purity, his innocence, and his not knowing. And mm. it, this is where you start to realize, oh, knowledge is power. Well, yeah, Absolutely, knowing your yes. rights, knowing what is to you here, you're a Canadian citizen. What does that mean? And so we started to have this role of like, well, we're actually here to protect our parents. Mm. We have a role to protect our parents. We we gained this socialization, this understanding, this language, this this education to now be able to to protect them and help them and help them grow. And... It's to this day, and I mean, as, again, from as simple as translation, I was sitting down and helping my father fill out his papers for old age security, mm. you know, like, here, let me fill, help you fill it out, right, um, helping him gather papers, helping him do some financial planning, I was sitting there on his on the Excel sheet, like, okay, what are we looking at for bills and this, Now, there's some simple, you know, to everyone, you know, helps their parents with technology, that's just a universal kind of shift that's been happening, but now it's that, you know, continuing to do that from a translation perspective, but mm-hmm. Letting them know what services are available to them, right? My mother struggles with a lot of different health services. And, you know, sometimes she'll get taken from one doctor to another doctor to another doctor who isn't helping. And until we come in to the doctor's office and they see uh, someone who's speaking to the doctor confidently and with a bit of a commanding presence says okay well i need a solution yeah. for for and what's happening here through the language of canadian society through the language of canadian society yeah. suddenly we get suddenly we get what we were looking for oh, that see. she's been bounced around for mm-hmm. for the last two three months mm-hmm. right you know these are the little things that uh, that i think we we take for granted at times when We speak the language of the majority and they, yeah, 20 years later, I, it's impeccable how well my father and mother actually know English. I'm always impressed by it. Mm -hmm. My father will say certain words and I'm like, how did you learn that word? You know, like that's that's a sophisticated word, I guess. But, you know, he'll read and all this stuff, but we're still helping them. And to this point now... Where you know my older brother for a number of years have been has been helping financially, and I've started to help financially over the last number of years now too, um, and that responsibility is growing. You know, I've I've had to make a I think a, a big mindset shift because you know. When I used to speak to a lot of Canadian friends um, about, you know, yeah, I'm going to have to take care of my parents and both financially and take, actually taking care of them. But we don't have other family here that can. This is going to be part of our responsibility. You know, a lot of the responses were, were, were you know, not negative, but were like, oh, that's too bad. Oh, you have to take care oh, that's like a, a burden. burden right you go and and I think hearing that over time, time, I think my own mind started to take it on as a, as almost a burden mm, like do I believe that yeah, or? and I think I even i had a I had a, had a friend, you know, just ask, well, why do you have to, why do you guys have to sacrifice your, you know, all of this stuff to help them? Like they made the decision to move here. I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. It was yeah. an interesting perspective. I think, and over the last, you know, couple of years, I've, I know I've made a big mindset shift in that, you know, this isn't a burden. This is a gift.
0: Hmm.
1: It, it, people don't have the chance to take care of the parents the way we get to. And at the end of their parents' life, a lot of people will look and say, oh, I wish I I spent more time. I wish I helped a little more. I wish I did a little more for my parents. Mm. So I'm being given a gift early on to be able to fulfill that part of my life Mm. and actually help them, give them things and help them thrive. Yeah, I do. I do this little silly thing. My dad hates when you buy him new things. (laughs) Okay,
0: hates
1: it. so I buy myself a new phone every two years because I know the phone is still good, Mm. but I give him my old phone. And he likes that it's used, mm. so he doesn't feel like he wasted money, but he gets a new phone and he gets excited about it. Oh, nice new phone. So right? you're
0: more intentional about um, your responsibility towards your parents. Yeah. And um, I like the the balance of what you just did there with, well, Canadian society, I'm being very generic here, but yeah. the people that you've talked to about your relationship with your parents have, have looked at you and responded in a way that makes you feel like this is a burden. Mm-hmm. But you're taking that and you're going, no my parents had to make significant sacrifices to give you the life that you have. Like mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. That you have today is as a result of the choice they made to leave yeah. where they were and come here. Yeah. And that was a monumental sacrifice. He yeah. talked about inflection points that shift things differently forever yeah. earlier. Yes. That's one of them. Yes. Um, and with that came the gift of you being able to look at them and be a blessing to them yes. and help them yes. and um, give them these things yeah. that um, maybe they, they they couldn't give themselves. Yes. Um, and in this new phase of their lives, as they're getting older, you you. you if you're viewing your contribution to them as, as a gift mm-hmm. versus something that is going to weigh you down yes because when I'm talking about duty right yeah. I had a conversation with someone and you know they were talking about trying to balance when uh, you have your own personal ambitions yeah um, and I know that you're ambitious we haven't yeah. really talked about it today but you know some of the things you're going to be doing for your parents as you described mm-hmm. will come at a cost yeah. of you not being able to fulfill some ambitions yes. of yours so mm-hmm. when um, I look at the duty that we feel towards our parents yeah. um, or towards our family. It's like that will come at what cost. Mm. Um, and you have to decide if it's a cost or not. Yeah. And you've yeah. kind of said to me that it's not. It's not a cost. It's a gift. It's a gift. Um, yeah. Yeah. Sure, I might not be able to, you know, do this with my business this yeah. year because I need to put 5000 away from my parents. Yeah. But that's not cost. No. That's a gift. And yeah. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. So congratulations yeah. on that. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, we're just taking a little bit of a break from the show. As you know, Two Takes and a Pod is brought to you by Yawa Magazine. Uh, Yawa Magazine publishes three pieces a month on music, culture, and community. For example, this month, we have a piece on mental health and five things you should know before going to look for a therapist. So if you love uh, pieces like that, if you like reading on things like that, please do follow us on Yawa Magazine on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also visit our website at www.yawamag.com. And if you be interested in writing for Yawa Mag, please do reach out to us. You can find us at yawamagazine at gmail.com. Thank you. Now back to the show.
1: You know, uh, the, the 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 big shift and big moment for me was about uh, maybe two and a half or three years ago. Um, I was helping my mom with her bank account, online banking. How do you do this? How do you do that? And I log in for her to help her with a few things, and I looked at her checking and her savings account. I think there was exactly three dollars and thirty cents in her checking account. My heart fell into my stomach. And I said, "This is my mother, and mm. she doesn't have more than three dollars to spend today. If she wanted to go buy something for herself, she doesn't have credit cards because yeah. they don't want to deal with any of that." And I was like, "Wow, when's the last time you didn't have three dollars, like five dollars, ten dollars to spend? Like, you know, so what's an extra five hundred bucks that I give her a month for spending mm. three hundred bucks, like?" You know how significant that is for her? So I started giving money to to my parents to help with like regular bills. I give my mom just some extra spending money. Mm. Over the last two, three years, her happiness levels just through the roof, because it's a sense of of freedom. Mm. Money gives you independence. Money is a a tool, it's a medium of just like, I can get out of the house, Mm. I can go do things. I Put gas in the car, how does she fill up the car? Mm. And I remember I asked her in that moment, she says, I, I take some money from your dad, but it's it's tough when there's not enough money sometimes. And I think I knew that when we were kids, money was real short. And they were really good at hiding it from us. But I didn't realize that we got older that... It stayed that way. It stayed that way. And the money situation for us personally fixes, we got jobs mm-hmm. and we got all this money, but, but for them... It's the same, because their their ability to move through society
0: is different from yours. But also, if you're talking about cultural differences, um, and I'm sure a lot of people will feel this, similar cultures you yeah, and in Iraqi, yeah. I Nigerian Iraqi, our brands are great at hiding problems. <laughs> Oh so, man! Yeah. Master's degree, <laughs> PhD level, you know? incredible like skill. Until, until they blow up right in front of you between each other, <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like I, <laughs> they have their fight. <laughs> and I I, I, I recognize these moments of like, oh, this has been going on, and you also feel, how did I not know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How, how do? How,
1: how am I going to call myself? Uh, I'll put myself at their level, their power dynamics, yeah, and feel like you know later.
0: And, and you don't now know. Now I this. don't know shit. <laughs> um, so you also have to sort of humble yourself yeah. and be like, oh. And you can get why they would. Feel that oh no they don't want to come to you for you know I mean like you're their yeah. child they're supposed to be yeah. doing this for and, you doing that for you
1: you know what's incredible and you, and you know I you know I, I know one of your later episodes is going to be you know discussing masculinity male masculinity uh, imagine a father having to ask his sons for money because he can't afford to mm. take care of them masculinity is a difficult part of parenting right that that it's not so much pride but it's so much that my duty to you is to be able to take care of you and i rely on you and you know i think i you know sometimes your parents ask for you know they're like oh can you help with this can you help with that and sometimes i work from home and my dad will come down and be like if i can can you can you help me with this thing and my instant reaction is okay well i'm working on my business right now like i need Mm -hmm. to focus on this right that's like my but i'm like how much does it take for them to ask for help Mm. because it's already there's already an emotional cost for them to say i need help i need help i I can't do this thing which is probably fairly basic can you you help you You have have to honor that emotional cost yeah you have have to to. honor the fact that they even ask Mm. because they could easily not ask and i know for a long time they used to not ask because of that right um and uh Uh, You know, there was, there's, there's a lot that you learn. And and I think I was reflecting that earlier to you. Like, obviously, I I took my father on a trip for the first time, you know, ever one on one trip where big families were never new and to Washington and New York. And we reflected on a lot of the family history and his journey and family's journey to Canada. And, you know, I reflected about our own clash of civilizations, my, my perspective and the difficulties I had. And then I heard it all from him. What it meant as a 41, 42 year old, you know, Iraqi Kuwaiti man to come to a country where he didn't speak language with six children. Hmm. And then the journey to actually get here, because in between after 1990, 1991, when Iraq invaded Kuwait... That really is what caused the mess for us to move seven years later. We moved across the Middle East in several different areas and several different countries over that span of seven years because, as he described it, and and I think it was put very well, he said, you basically were told you weren't welcome back to the one place you called home because of what your original citizenship was after that war. So, you know, I think... As I understood their story more, and and, and had uh, empathetically uh, grew more to appreciate, you know, already appreciated and grateful for everything they gave, but even more and more the sense of a gift became more and more true and less and less of a, of a duty. But I mean, again, back, back, back to that, that, that original question, you know, it's everything. Me and my older brother do the financial planning of like, what's, what's going to happen and what are we going to do? We make sure my mom has the right medicine. We, you know, I I had a health intervention with my mom. She's diabetic and she's been struggling with this health. health. I remember I had a two hour sit down with her and I said, enough is enough. You need to start taking care of your health. You are 63, but you physically act as if you are 80. Mm. and then you might have another 25 years to live and if you want to live a healthy life you need to start eating better we need to start doing daily walking you know and i'm, I'm here feeling like the parent mm. right but 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 it's time for me to take care of you because there's certain things that you were you weren't taught and dad you can't keep eating this much white rice <laughs> like it's just it's not good it's not sustainable, it's just not sustainable okay <laughs> yeah but i like mm. my white rice it's mm. okay we're gonna we're gonna straight with more vegetables mm. vegetables are key to your health right mm. and and uh, and one of the things my dad like and when we're on our trip, it's like, God, I'm going to Kuwait in, in six months, trying to lose a little bit of weight. <laughs> you know? What do I gotta do? And I said, Don't worry, I got a plan for you. <laughs> you know? Amazing. Amazing.
0: Um that's I think I think that's a great place for us to to wrap this up because um you know we'd come in trying to talk about the place in between our family and this new society that we, we grew mm-hmm. up in. And I think that we we've been able to do that. But also we've uncovered what I think is almost a superpower, which is this feeling of we've been given a gift mm-hmm. um, that the society that we live in most people don't experience don't, that's why it's a gift yeah, right like they don't get because them. yeah they don't, they, don't, they don't get that, um, and we have this Thing that we've got to take care with, yeah. um Being being where we are, and I and I and I like that. That makes yeah. me that makes me feel hopeful more than anything. um yeah. And it really just makes me want to call
1: my mom. So yeah. that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good thing. Yeah. We all gotta do that. We call, home, you know? gotta, gotta call everybody. You know, call well, their their, their mom. Well, wife. I mean, the, and I mean, I guess the re, the reality of that. So the the other thing of that that I noticed is is like you know, your relationship as an adult with your parent changes. You will always be their child, but it does change. Um, and I think a lot of people will say, well, when, 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 when parents are raising children, parents, you know, some parents are like, Oh, I'm friends with my child. But I think a lot more and more people are coming out and saying, okay, your, your child doesn't need a friend. They need a parent. You have to be kind to them, be friendly with them, get to know them, all that stuff. I think as we get older, as we have adult relationships, our parents now need friends. Mm. And while we we're their children, we are their friends now. We talk about what's happening, what they watched, yeah. the news, mm. the gossip, because isolation is actually the, the biggest detriment to health for our older generation. Mm. And the one part that we take for granted is we live in society, so I have so many friends. I have so many people I can call on to go see. They don't they still have their family Mm -hmm. that that that's pretty much in a few, maybe one or two friends here. And so part of that gift has been rebuilding and re nurturing this relationship to move away from being the, the translator in between because it really did, I think in some way, you know, kind of tying it back to that power dynamic that we spoke about earlier. It, it put, it put you into a weird relationship with your parent as a kid. And I think you know, I struggled with it because I felt that you know, I, I I jokingly reflected this. And I say, you know, I think at some points I wanted to be the parent, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let me, let me say what to do. I believe and, that. and, and, and now I've had to, I've had to deconstruct that relationship and rebuild a new one as an equal. Mm. Yes. I'm always your child,
2: but you're an adult,
1: but we're, you know, let's, let's be, you know, and that I think has helped me so much because now I, I, laugh at their jokes i laugh with them i make fun of them in a way that i don't think i ever could have before mm-hmm. i i've reshaped that, that 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 relationship and at times i mean they'll my father will say can you go tell your mother this and i'd say i think that's something you should go <laughs> that, i think that's that fun. one's yours yeah. i think that one's your you know and, and i think it's it's really redeveloped and i'm grateful for that i think that comes from Recognizing the power dynamics that occurred mm-hmm. based on being in between, recognizing the gift that I have, and then recognizing how short life is. Because I'd like to say I have them for another 20 years, but I don't know that. You never know. And I don't want to regret not spending a moment with them.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? and, not, and not fulfilling, um, once you understand all that, not putting it to action and making the most of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Okay. Well, thank you for that, man. I appreciate it. Thank Glad you. Have you
1: appreciate it. Yeah. Thank-
2: that was really insightful. Listening to that conversation, I felt like him becoming the translator really changed the power dynamic in the family. I wonder how often that happens for immigrant families moving into countries where they don't speak the first language. Is that normal? How does that really affect like the next generation when you start thinking about that? Um, which leads me to the take. My take is, you know, like Fahad. Is it really important to be bogged down by old traditions, especially if they don't fit the life or location that you're in now? Faz's decision to adopt new traditions informed by the classic ones, whether it was from his native home or from you know his adopted home being in Canada here, I thought was a great outlook into dealing with certain um, cultural issues or traditions.
0: Yeah, I really enjoyed um, our conversation and directions which we were able to take it in. Uh, I think my take is that, you know, moving at a young age uh, with a young family, you're really forced to adapt and grow up and see the world through a particular set of lenses which can fundamentally change who you are and who you can become. And that clearly has been the case for Fahad. and yeah, so I really appreciate him sitting down with me and sharing his story with us. So a big shout out to him there. As always, if you've liked what you heard, please leave us a like, a comment, any sort of engagement. We would love and appreciate it on our social media. Uh, you can find us at TWO Takes and a Pod. That's T W O Takes and a Pod. If you have any thoughts, any comments, any feedback you'd like to share with us, send us an email or hit us in the DMs. This has been Two Takes in a Pod. Thank you for listening.